Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Well, good morning. Good morning. morning. This is the May. Hey, it's good to be. Yeah. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, Brent's been traveling the world. I missed three in a row, which yeah. is pretty weird. But yeah, I'm home. You're, you're back, and now and David's now David's gone. gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> plus spots. I thought we would have one day, like a crossover day. Yeah, and I I tried to call him to see, hey, can we catch up? And he's like, we left already. So <laughs> we're on the road. So man. yeah, so it'll be another uh, week or so before we see him again. But yeah, but it's good to have Jeff with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to have Chad here after. Uh, you almost died last week, apparently. Yeah. Well, I don't know how close I was to death, but... Close, man. Come on. I don't know. Talk it up. All right. Yeah, I almost Minutes died. away from your appendix. Yeah, I almost died. Minutes away from bursting. <laughs> uh, a little known fact, I actually had appendicitis during last week's podcast. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, as soon as the podcast was over, it quickly escalated. So yeah, Chad wasn't especially uh, <laughs> yeah. talkative, talkative last week. It's because he was yeah. suffering from appendicitis. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of... Kind of fascinating. I watched it to yeah. see how how uncomfortable you looked at yeah. times, and a couple times you could tell <laughs> something was up, something was going yeah. on. Yeah, there's a couple times I almost got up and left the podcast, and I just in my it's, it was a mental Tough battle. It's like I got to keep it together to finish. I can't get up in the middle of a podcast and leave. Well, you know? if you can't, if you have to. <laughs> I'm going to I the hospital, have, guys. Right. See, see you. Later. Yeah. <laughs> podcast over. Right, and then you finally got to the hospital, and they. Uh, they Only shut nine the, hours later. They shut the hospital down because of lightning? Or? Yeah, well, I, I waited till the evening. I, w- I went home after the podcast and slept. Um, you know, like any good man, I decided, oh, this, will, this will go away. Yeah. It didn't go away. <laughs> so after about dinner time, I told Jill to take me in. And the hospital got struck by lightning while I was there, which was kind of weird. Uh, so they were on generators for a couple of hours, and it just jammed everything up. And so, that, so I didn't have surgery till you know, 4 o'clock Friday morning. And, and at that time? In the, in the ER the whole time? Yeah, I was in the ER for you know, nine hours and then you know hour in surgery and Half hour in recovery and home. You were, your surgery was less time than the yeah. waiting time. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how quick they kick you out sometimes. But yeah. uh, but they said when they opened you up that you were minutes away from having it burst. It was twice the size of a normal appendix. Yeah. I don't know how they know that it was minutes away, but that's what they said. But they also kept me there for nine the hours before they happens. fixed me. So Praise God it didn't burst because yeah. I've, I've known a couple guys that that's happened to, and I that's pretty gnarly, I yeah. guess. So The cleanup process is. Yeah, it really. It's like poison just going all through your system, which yeah. is... You get sepsis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the word yeah. I was not thinking of, but that was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so glad you're here. And you didn't yeah. get sepsis. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> How are things in your world, Jeff? Any any good. medical complaints? Anything no medical okay, complaints. Good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Try to keep those to a minimum. Yeah. yeah. You did almost spill your no coffee. No appendicitis. And so. had a good ninja move of saving your coffee from Save the, the coffee, ground a minute yeah. before we went live. Yeah. Yeah. And we had just a... Uh, Missed you guys, but we had a great trip. Uh, got to see all kinds of amazing things in the UK, and yeah. um, it's all kind of a blur now because we, we we traveled you to so many different pictures, different places. My wife took over two thousand pictures, I wow. think, and there's videos as well. So you're gonna have uh, a, a viewing at your house? I took quite a few, but nowhere near that. No, two thousand is not, impressive. I was make, that all on her phone? Yeah, I wouldn't make anybody sit through that many pictures <laughs> it's like people come over to watch their family vacation she know, does this thing where she'll take like seven of one thing just and then she'll pick the best one so the editing of you know so it's not going to be that many when yeah. it's all said so and she's done still but, editing yeah but it was such a cool i mean just to see yeah. um so many i mean obviously the, the geography there is amazing but some of the buildings and you know there were times when we were walking on roads that were built by the romans and you just you get this sense yeah. of the just I don't That's know cool. the smallness of of who I really you know am and and this you know how big this world is it was it was cool yeah. got to experience some cool food and some not so cool food got to try the haggis was I was going to ask you if you, you had tried haggis. haggis I had haggis and, and, and blood, the blood pudding haggis the, what we had was extremely good it said it was award winning the first one that we had and had some kind of sauce on it and. Uh, I didn't really ask questions about what it was. I knew I knew I had an idea, but I didn't want to know. Uh, the funny thing about that one is they said on the menu, sorry if this is crossing a line, but it said that it was locally shot on the menu. And I thought, is this, imp- is this important to people? I mean, it's like, can't we say locally sourced or fresh maybe? It's locally like, did you guys, shot. where was it shot? Was huh. it shot? You should ask yeah, them. right behind the building. Okay, I, I'd like to try it then. It the farmer brought it in. That's funny. They, I thought that was funny. But it was good. And then we had it again. At, uh, we had a traditional Scottish breakfast at one of 
the Maxwell castles, which ah. I got to see my descendants' castles. That was also pretty stinking amazing. Yeah. Uh, two of one was built in 1277 by one of my wow. ancestors. Wow. So, um, that was cool. cool. But anyway, we had it again and it wasn't as good the second time. And the blood pudding. The Maxwell's I, I, didn't make it as I good. I could do with that. At the, yeah. They, yeah. What, well, what I actually, don't think they, is there actually blood in blood pudding? Like what's blood pudding? I don't Again, I don't really, somebody I can don't tell you. you but, know, I don't think you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to eat it, so I don't mind knowing. But Haggis maybe is I'll the, Google it later. The, Haggis is like the stomach, right? It's, the, it's I think it's called uh, O-F-F-A-L, awful or awful, some people say, but it's all the, the parts that do work in a body. And they grind up and <laughs> let's eat those. Yeah, heart and anyway, but it, it, nothing you know, goes to waste. It, it was uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, great experience. Glad to be home. That's yeah. awesome. Did you uh, pick up a Scottish accent at all? Uh, you know, we went to a couple of places. So the castle that we went to, the Maxwell Castle, is called Caleverock. So Caleverock Castle, it's grand, gorgeous. You know you. When you're there, you, you can't. I got yeah. a Scottish, uh, a little, you know, a bonnet, a little hat that I, a bonnet's the wrong word. Yeah, call it a hat. Don't that's what McKillop called it. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, you a little bit. bagpipes? I heard some bagpipes, yeah. Saw some amazing castles. You didn't bring any back, though? No, no. My wife wanted me to get a kilt. And and I'm like, you know, unless you're, unless, I'm, I am, you know, Scott, my name's Scottish, but I feel like if you can't throw a tree 20 feet, you, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't wear a kilt. And I, I don't think I could pull it off. I think there's some Scottish games in Ben coming up, isn't there? I don't know. I think I think you're right. Or uh, oh, I know they do them out in Prineville as well. Yeah. Anyway, I would highly encourage anybody that gets an opportunity to go and travel awesome. around. You know, we went to Loch Ness. We went to so many places. Just yeah. do you see the monster? No, but I you know the lake itself is uh, there's a bunch of peat in the lake, so it the, the water is black, and so when it's rippling, you can see how uh, we were on the lake on a calm day, and even the ripples of the lake at that point, you could see that's what. It, it's pretty obvious what they're seeing, yeah. in my opinion. But sorry the if your pictures you're, uh, aren't as clear. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just black ripples. That's all. That's my guess. It's not but, the Lochness. But it was cool. I don't think so. You just debunked the myth. And and Loch just means lake. I found yeah. that out too. So yeah, I, I actually knew that one. Lake Ness. That's yeah. what it is. But and that was in a town called Drumnadocket, <laughs> which was also fun. Hey, your Scottish is pretty good yeah, so yeah. far. Yeah. 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 Worked on it. Keep working on it. <laughs> yeah. Keep Throw some in it. your sermons. And <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> well, anywho. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you're back as well and that you guys had a good time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Uh, well, should we just dive into our topic? Yeah. We bantered yeah. for an unusually long period of time today, but we had a lot to banter about. So. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe people know uh, Tim Keller recently passed away. Tim Keller has been a guy that I think probably for all of us has been uh, influential and uh, not just us, but influential to um, you know generations uh, of pastors, and so we thought we would uh, talk about Tim Keller today. Yeah, I, I thought it would be worthwhile because I'm surprised how many times I talk to people, Christians, family members, and, and mention that name, and they don't know who he is. Yeah. I, um, I'm surprised at that. There's other people that are like that too that I think, how do you guys not know who this is? Uh, but it, just in case they don't, um, maybe we it. should. Well, I mean, he was a, a pastor in New York. Uh, started in 89, I think retired in 2017, um, pastored previously to that too. So about 34 years in pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the founders of the Gospel Coalition along with D.A. Carson, uh, which Back again is 05, a... I think, wasn't that? Yep, that was yeah, 05. About right. um, uh, you know, again, just a prolific writer, wrote over 30 books, um, a couple of, well, I don't know uh, what, what books you guys would list out as maybe your favorites or whatever, if you have any in mind, but uh, I mean, reason for God is probably what he's most well known mm-hmm. for. Pro- prodigal God is another God. one. Yeah. My favorite of his, the meaning of marriage is also very yeah. good. At, uh, a marriage book, book, but my favorite of his probably because of the size of it is, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's called the freedom, the freedom of self forgetfulness. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you ever read that. It's just a little pamphlet, but it's, it's just really good. Yeah. Um, he's one of those writers that you do feel like you got to write, read the book a couple of times just to yeah. actually get some yeah. of the, the richness that's there and you know even if it's a short pages i mean he wrote books on preaching and yeah i think the most recent one that i thought he wrote was the one on suffering uh he had a more recent one was on more? Uh, forgiveness okay yeah there's a lot of them and they're all it. they're all i think you know everything i've Worth, read yeah. i just really enjoyed um and his sermons are also uh they used to charge like a buck 50 per sermon and now they're all free not not because of his death but prior to that mm-hmm. they they so you can go to gospel and life if you've never heard him uh would would recommend uh Checking that out. And, and didn't they do like a Tim Keller um, apologetics? There's an apologetics. Uh, yeah, the Gospel Coalition launched some, yeah. some kind of a, the, the Tim Keller Center for Apologetics yeah, or something for like, like churches. That. And I think stuff it's like still that. pretty new, so I don't know if they've yeah. done a lot yet. Yeah. yeah. At any rate, I would just say um, this guy was a gift to the church um, and I think probably impacted 
uh, not just, uh, you know, American Christians, but Christians all over the world to, to yeah. see the tributes, um, that poured in, right. um, from so many different people, uh, the impact that he had, it was kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And, and he had a way about him. I mean, the, the guy was just an intellect. He was a scholar and academic, mm-hmm. um, but he had a way of communicating that kind of dumbed it down for the rest of us. Like kind of the average right. person could hang with him, even though he was super intellectual. Right. It just his style of writing and, and speaking was that kind of anybody could hang with him and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, figure out what it is that he was talking about. And I just always appreciated that about him. Um, and just seemed like a humble guy. Like he didn't, you know, throw his, his academic intellect around, nope. um, you know, just seemed like a real humble humble guy that loved Jesus. Yeah. And I think some of that came out of, you know, when they planted the, was it the Redeemer Presbyterian mm-hmm. in New York there? Mm-hmm. I think it was, a lot of that was because of the people that they were ministering to just felt like we need to make this as understandable as possible. And, you know, just to, they just had a way of being able to kind of summarize things and be like, yeah, oh, that makes sense. You know, whereas you read, sometimes you read things, you're like, I don't really know what he's saying. You know? <laughs> no, he, he was gifted in that. And, and yet, so profound yeah. and clearly an intellectual, clearly, you know, somebody who understand humanity um, better than most people do. I mean, I he, he seemed to connect to humanity and, and find ways to connect to people yeah. uh, in a way that I, not, not many pastors can. So, I mean, you know, on one hand, he's just a scholar and an intellect, but the, you know, on the other hand, he yeah. had a, the heart of a pastor Yeah, right. and it really came through. Um, I don't know. He's just one of those guys. I really, you know, we should never, you know, go too crazy with how we right. we idolize a but, person or, or things like that, I don't think. But but to see Christ in him, for me, was so evident. And that's what's it's just lacking in a lot of yeah. mm-hmm. Christian leaders today, yeah. unfortunately. Well, um, I think how he was able to also interact with, with people that were critics or disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he did it in a very just loving, winsome way and was willing to challenge and have hard conversations, but never seemed to get, like, upset or you just right. was able to have those conversations in a very intellectual understanding way of like I'm I am really trying to understand what you're saying but I don't think we see it the same <laughs> yeah. way you know what well, I think mean? that's because he cared about people more than he cared about being right right and, and I think a lot of times yeah. in our Christian circles you know we want to win yeah. arguments right yep um, well and, and, and Keller just his pastoral heart came through in those moments yeah. where you know it was more about the person he was engaging rather than winning an argument yeah this is why he, unfortunately he was a bit of a controversial figure and I don't understand really why but some a lot of people because of that seem to criticize him, even say yeah. that he was an enemy of the church. More recently, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and, and but an enemy of the church. And, and even you'll find people saying he, he was an enemy of the gospel, which yeah. is mm-hmm. baffling to me. Yeah. It's like, have you ever read him? Crazy have you ever talk. listened to him? <laughs> it doesn't make much sense to me. But it, a lot of it had to do with um, this third wayism. I don't know if we were going to get into that at all. But but he, he would say, you know, rather than be like this or that, let's try to find some middle ground here and... So if he was talking to somebody, say, for instance, about one of these hot topic issues mm-hmm. like critical race theory is one of them that came up a lot, he would sit down and try to understand the person. Right. And um, But I, I never saw him compromise yeah, truth. I never mm-hmm. saw him, you know, when it came to the, the foundations of Christianity and even the foundations of cultural issues that yeah. we, we would agree on, he, he didn't budge on those things. Yeah. So I'm kind of baffled that, yeah. um, you know, I, he admits he was probably, um, he wasn't a, like a tenacious argue argumentative kind of mm-hmm. a person he was probably more of a peacemaker and he yeah. came across that way but some people would say that he you know you know the third way thing was a cop out like you know you need to make a stand and you need right. to you know be forceful and in, in he, he wasn't that way in general yeah. i would say he was no. a meek humble he guy he wasn't forceful but but he did make stands on the <laughs> he gospel. did for sure yeah solid and, and he had the gospel, gospel right yeah that's the thing i would say about him that for me um every time i read him every time i heard him it, it made me glorify the Lord, worship right. the Lord, and make much of Christ, and yep. want to love people and God more. Absolutely, that, that's like that's an amazing thing to right. say about somebody, yeah. Yeah. and and I mean every time. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, there, there are some people that you know you might read a book or listen to a sermon and you think, oh, that guy's awesome. Yeah. And, and I never thought that with Tim Keller, although I do think he's awesome. But mm-hmm. you know, to your point, like I never came away from a, th- a sermon thinking about how great a communicator Tim Keller is. I kept, I would come away thinking how great God is. Yeah. yeah. Because of what he communicated. Yep. And I, I, I endeavor to be that as a pastor. I agree, and I don't think he would have any any other way. He was not a guy that wanted to be a celebrity. Right. Um. He, he actually kind of eschewed that whole. You know, he didn't try to be that. Um, yeah. He he was just down to earth and 
didn't act like a big shot, you know, and I saw that over and over again in the, in the comments that came out about him, yeah. all these people that said, you know, he sat down and just talked to me like I was a regular person right. and there was no air about him. There was no, he was just a normal guy. And no matter where you went, that's who he was, yeah. right. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And even in his suffering, so so he did write that book on suffering, and I haven't read it yet, but, I mean, we just, you know, we watched him for a few years after his uh, pancreatic cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. um, suffer well and, yeah. and continue. Like, he didn't miss a beat in, you know, glorifying Christ and, and all of what he was doing. Yeah. Um, probably by any account, he would have had every right to just kick back in a chair, you know, for his remaining years or to travel or whatever, mm-hmm. and he, he just kept, you know, working on kingdom business, yeah. um, you know, up until the very end. Yeah. And, and that was just really um, inspiring. Yeah. Well, and I think that. he wrote that book after shortly after he had thyroid cancer back in, I think, 2013 or something. And he wrote the, the that book on suffering after that. Yeah. If that's what I understood, but. That sounds right, but I'm, yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah, give to the church, like you said, Brent. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that his influence can be overstated. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I, it's pretty profound. And again, not just, um, not just in one camp, right? Per se, it just kind of spread mm-hmm. across Christendom and, and across and across yeah. the world, mm-hmm. um, which is again kind of a rare thing. Yeah, yeah, global, really a global impact. <clears throat> if you think about it. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of I think a lot of the impact on pastors, right. whether they heard him speak or read or you know things that he was trying to do at at the church that he was at, yeah. and you know, I think just to try to influence people for the kingdom of God, and I think being able to have those gospel conversations, you know, and I think he just had a way of just making a statement clear, succinct, and it just kind of stuck in your mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But. I was surprised to see, like, most of the guys that I, I really respect um, all pay tribute to them in some way. But to, to see how many people that I don't know or don't right. never heard of yeah. or maybe even don't respect that also still pay tribute to them was kind of telling, you know, yeah. that he had he, – he, he could reach across the aisle to people that maybe – you're not supposed to, you know, we, there's, there's Christians out there that say, well, that, that's, you know, you don't go there. You don't talk right. to those people. You don't. And he, and he found a way to do that. Yep. Um, not, not compromising truth, Yep. but, um, f- just finding a you way to, a way of doing yeah. It. yeah. 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 Which I think we, we don't do well sometimes as Christians. So. No. I, I read an article, um, a couple of days ago, I think it was Jared Wilson, and it was some something. The title was something to the effect of it, like a generation of joyful plagiarists, or, or yeah. something close to that. <laughs> yeah. And just you know, talking about the influence that, that you know Keller has had on you know pulpits across mm-hmm. the world, and how that influence you know just kind of the layers of influence you know as, as it reaches out, and just yeah. was pretty remarkable. He had a picture uh, in that article. It showed yeah. a picture of Jared Wilson speaking at a pulpit, and and Keller kind of with his head tilted, on a, with couch with a little bit of a smile, <laughs> and he said he, he, he what Jared Wilson imagined was Keller was smiling because he's like he's just listening to Jared Wilson regurgitate all the stuff that Tim Keller's <laughs> taught over the years yeah. <laughs> and just kind of smiling like yeah. oh it's all you know yeah. which he, he pretty much said you know we, we stand on the shoulders of men like this that, yeah. that have you know half the stuff that we talk about and quote you know we don't get credit for it mm-hmm. we've heard it someplace and he's yeah. one of the most quotable guys yeah um that's out there as yeah. far as I can tell. So, well, that's a nice segue into the next piece. Cause I have a bunch of Tim Keller quotes that I thought we would uh, maybe just talk through yeah. um, in tribute. And there there's, you know, the gospel coalition put out like 50 quotes. And so I just grabbed some from that list, but there are, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of just, you know, nuggets, um, you know, of Keller. So, so I just kind of picked a few random ones uh, having to do with kind of some of the big topics that Tim Keller always drilled down on. And so uh, uh, the gospel, Tim Keller says this, the gospel is that I am so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, yet so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that reminds me of a similar one that he said about the gospel that I've quoted several times, and it's that... Um, uh, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we are ever dared hope. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. You know, he had a way of, you know, and that's what that, that self forgetfulness book has the same kind of an idea, you know, don't yeah. think too much of yourself and also don't think too little of yourself. Just stop thinking about yourself. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, Something he modeled quite well, actually. Well, yeah. I think, too, one of the things I, th- I appreciate that he did, too, is I think he helped to bring this 
thought that's important, I think, for Christians to understand is the gospel is not just for salvation. It's for, for, you know, before salvation and after salvation as well, and how it just influences every area of our life thing. Because I think there is, has been sort of this concept that, well, the gospel is just to be saved. It's like, Mm -hmm. actually, the gospel is way more than that. You know, and I think even that quote that you just said, that that really impacts it more to understand that. He was one of the first guys that, um, you know, there was a point in time, I don't know when you guys kind of discovered Keller, um, there was a point in time, maybe about 10 years ago, where we kind of started on this path of, of moving away from kind of the moralistic therapeutic deism mm-hmm. kind of thing yep. and, and moving towards Christ centeredness or gospel centeredness. Yeah. And that's about the time I, I discovered Keller. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, same. And, uh, and it was just remarkable to hear the, hear the difference <clears throat> of, I mean, if there's one little quote, he says, you know, your identity is received, not achieved. Mm-hmm. He, he could take just a simple profound yeah. statement like that and say so much yeah. with it. And it really is. It's the difference between, Try harder, you know, do better, run yep. faster, and and just rest in who you who you are in Christ. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's another quote that I liked uh, where he says that there are the good things of this world, the hard things of this world, and the best things of this world. God's love, glory, holiness, and beauty. The Bible's teaching is that the road to the best things is not through the good things, but usually the hard things. There is no message more contrary to the way of the world. There's no no message more contrary to the way the world understands life or more subversive to its values. Yeah, yeah. And that was you know part of again Tim Keller not not compromising but standing for truth mm-hmm. and standing for the gospel and and speaking to um, you know just the jacked up values of this world but doing so in a way that caused people to hear him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think then the hard things he walked through and how he actually walked through them was proof that he actually believed what he was right. writing or teaching or preaching. You yeah, know, I think yeah. that's where the value comes as well, is because so often it's like, well, they said these things, but their life was a complete contradiction to that or whatever, right. you know. But to see him walk through those hard things, even hard conversations with people, and and come out on the other side seeing the value of that conversation instead of what typically happens, you come away, mm-hmm. you know, trying to just bash that person for whatever they believe that's in contradiction yeah. to what you believe. You I know? read a, I read an article by this guy who who admitted that he wrote, um, just flamed him in this article. Uh, something I can't remember what it was that he was upset about with Keller, but he wrote this article that just just nailed you know this whatever it was to the you know, and and his friend said wrote him and said okay you had a couple points there you got a couple of shots in that were <laughs> worth making, but that was very uncharitable, and um, kind of yeah. called him out on it. Well, he reread it and he said you're right, and he took it down, and then he wrote Keller, who didn't even know this guy, and and apologized and said. You know, this is what I wrote. You you probably would have never seen it, but this mm-hmm. is what I wrote, and I'm sorry. And they, they ended up getting a conversation. Rather than Keller getting mad at the guy, yeah, right? He wanted to learn. He's like, well, tell, let's let's talk about these points you have. And and they they ended up going back and forth through email and coming to an understanding. And he right. said it just changed my whole view of this guy. You know, I probably most guys yeah. would have gotten mad, yeah, and and you know gotten defensive and stuff. And Keller just wanted to learn. He wanted to understand and come to, you know, some kind of a, and I just thought, what? Yeah. I wish there were more people like that. Right. You know, right. I wish I was more like that, quite frankly, but it's yeah, kind of cool. In the internet world that we live in, you see a lot of, you know, people put out an article and then you see someone write you know, a friendly response to so-and-so about this and it's usually not friendly. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, and then if it escalates and you see like an open letter, you know, mm-hmm. to right. so-and-so about this, which is even less friendly and just what, um, you know, a refreshing example that is for Keller to do something yeah. like that. And that was just part of the larger way that he engaged right. culture. Yep. You know, part of his winsomeness that he got grief for. Which I still don't understand. <laughs> I, yeah. wish, I wish I could, you know, we just, some, we just watched a video recently that somebody sent to us that you know, again, tried to um, paint him as just an, an enemy of the church even. Hmm. And I don't, for the life of me, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I kind of like, I wish I could understand it a little bit. Like, what are you talking about? You know, can you make this more clear to me? Mm-hmm. I can see how maybe when it comes to uh, nationalism, maybe there's an argument mm-hmm. to be made for that because he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't take a stance with a political party. He, right. he kind of remained apolitical because he said there's things in both parties that are biblical. Yep. Um, and so again, there's that winsomeness, that third way is, yeah. yeah. um, but you know, I guess that's probably what it, what it comes down to maybe, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part, isn't it? Sometimes I think that's where I, at least what I learned from, from, from Keller is, is that sense of there are going to be things that with lots of different people, we're going to have, things that we don't agree on. But I think the challenge that we find right now is just to, 
there are times when there is just a complete lack of respect for someone else as a human being. Right. Yeah. And and people just coming at one another, and then I and then you see that happening even with Christians who they 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 almost consider themselves sort of the watchdogs of the church. You right. Know? And they and and yet and how they respond to some of these things that are out there that are you know quote unquote Christian or whatever they they are. They're they're just not living out the gospel in how they respond to people, and it's very unkind. Yeah. Sometimes just downright disrespectful, and mean, and yet they think they're doing the right thing because yeah. well we're standing up against that person, and 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 yet I don't think there's always, or maybe there is a realization. I think that's even worse that well I I'm doing this really to disparage that person's life and ministry, and at the end of the day, it's like. You better go back and read the gospel and the scriptures cuz mm-hmm. I don't think we find that anywhere in the scriptures. <laughs> no, there's yeah. there's a there's a meekness that I, I I you know, I think we tend to put down in people sometimes, but it it's what we saw in Christ very right. often. Not always. There were times when he would, you know, he he would get rightly upset and and um but in general there was a meekness there that yeah. we should emulate. Yeah. And I think Keller did. A quote from Keller regarding cultural engagement says this, that the doctrine of sin means that believers are never as good as our true worldview should make us. And the doctrine of common grace means that unbelievers are never as flawed as their false worldviews should make them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, that was evident that he, again, that he believed that in, the, in just what we were talking about and how he, how he engaged people. Mm. Yeah. Now it's funny how we do that thing where we, we try to make, you know, we're the goodies and the world, everybody out there, they're all the baddies. Right. And, and we start to believe that there's something about us that's superior, like something we're doing or, or our righteousness. And, it, yeah. and it's, you know, we forget that the, the righteousness we have was, was gifted to us by Christ. Yeah. yeah. And that's the difference, you know. And it just ought to produce a humility in us, not Absolutely. pride. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's confidence, like Paul talks about boasting, but it's not in ourselves, it's in the gospel. Right. Well, and it should produce a yeah. compassion for those yeah. who, who aren't there yet, who don't, you know, haven't received grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we just, man, we don't get that, mm. you know. Yeah. They're the enemy. They're the, you know, and, and it's, it's yeah. ugly at times. And so. Keller, perhaps more than any other pastor I know, um, obviously I don't know all the pastors out there, but you know, perhaps more than any other pastor I know, engaged uh, people not like him. You know, more than anybody that I can think of. That, you know, there's a right. lot of kind of celebrity pastors out there that you know kind of live in Christian bubbles, and mm-hmm. you know their audience is the church. I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily even a bad thing, but but Keller crossed lines, you know, and mm-hmm. crossed aisles um, and engaged secular culture uh, when a lot of pastors kind of shy mm-hmm. away from that. Yeah. Well, and I think he did a good job of culture contextualization in the sense that he was willing to understand the context and the culture in which he was yeah. ministering because he was in it. I think there's a lot of celebrity pastors that just aren't in it. Sure. You know, that yeah. they, right. they sort of that's they, a fair they, point. They, they preach and that's it. They don't shepherd people. Somebody else does that. They don't counsel people. Somebody else does that. You know, so mm-hmm. their main job is, is just preaching and teaching. That's all they do. Um, and I think there is an aspect of that where. You, when you, I think when you lose sort of that shepherding aspect of being with people, it, it, it's a lot more difficult um, to then be able to help that the, the scriptures be applied in the context in which people are living. Yeah, and you, you, you almost become disconnected from it. You know, I think that's right. where Keller did a great job. Of yeah, just he stayed connected. Being in it in different ways, in different contexts, and not afraid of some of those different dialogues and debates and conversations yeah. with people that, at times believed something that was completely different than he did or objected to even what he believed, you know, but he was, I think that's the winsomeness that I think we lack in our, yeah. our Christian yeah. community, I think is especially, I, I think at least that's especially evident in what we see. And a lot of times I think it's people hiding behind a screen, yeah. Sure, you know, it's like, uh, but then you invite them into conversation. They don't want to do that. You know, it's like. Now his preaching disarmed people in a, in a way that um, a non-Christian would listen and it even respect what he was saying. And yeah. where, you know, I, I, I don't know of any other preacher that I've ever heard that, that did that well. Yeah. And yet he didn't, you know, he, again, he still got to the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word, but it was, he just did it in a way that disarmed you and, yeah. um, and was approachable, I guess. Yeah. And didn't disrespect you as a, as a non-believer. Right. Um, which I can't, I don't know. There's, <laughs> it's real easy to, to do it the other way. I'm, I, I've seen that done. <laughs> well, you think about times. those conversations where that does happen. You know, mm-hmm. where there is a disrespect, it's like that conversation is done. 
It's not going to continue to happen. They're probably not going to continue to want to have that conversation with you because you're, I think a lot of times it's just the tone that you're using is it's condescending, Mm -hmm. self-righteous, you know, and it's in there. And there, and I think one of the things I've seen in some of the articles that have been written about Tim Keller is that he was willing to listen. Yeah. There was a sense of like, I'm willing to listen to what you're saying and and learn from what you're saying, you know, because I think that's what I think we don't always do well. Because we're afraid, we're yeah. We just think, oh well, obviously you believe this, and you know, it's like, well, how about we just sit down and be able to dialogue and listen to one another, and well, learn. And, yeah. and you won't necessarily come to an agreement, right? But you'll come to an understanding. Yep. And and again, he seemed and to, that's different. He sought to do that, and, and yeah. you know, uh, there's something very respectful about that. That yeah. maybe this has happened somewhere in history, but I don't. If, if it's happened at all, I think it's very little that people have come to Christ as a result of losing an argument, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and Keller just personified, you know, engaging people uh, in a way that, that gained him an audience, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm just sitting here as we're talking, thinking about, you know, what, what can we learn as the, mm. as the church, as Christians, from just how we engage culture uh, when we go to work tomorrow morning or when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the soccer field or wherever it is that we go? Um, what, what can we learn from him on how just mm. how to engage people? I, I'm just thinking there's so much that we can be angry about right now in the world and, and so much we can be angry about in our country. And, and we get caught up in that so easily. And just the way that I saw, you know, him interact with people yeah. was so much more loving. He, he wasn't worked up. It's like he believed his theology. He yeah. believed that God was in control somehow and that this was all going to be okay. And he just walked through life in a way that was kind and charitable. And, you know, I, we just need to learn to do that better. Yeah. It doesn't mean we like what's going on around us sometimes, but you can still engage people um, without being a jerk. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think, gen- I mean, genuinely loving people. I think you yeah. know, I think it's the essence of loving, loving the lost people, and I think that, I think sometimes we don't do that. We don't genuinely love lost people. Yeah. I think we right. we, we want to save them, forgetting at the end of the day, God's the one that does that. But I think it's also one of those things where I think when there's a genuine love for people, then I think when right. we get to have a gospel conversation with them, it doesn't feel like a bait and switch. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. It's like oh. They genuinely love and care for me and, and want to know what's going on in my life and are sharing this out of love for me. Mm-hmm. It's not because they feel obligated to do so, you know, or they sure. feel like they have to or whatever the case might be. Or they but just I want think, to win an argument like you were right. saying. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's more, way more beneficial to just be able to sit down and listen and love that person that's sitting across from you, even if they're completely different than we are or they believe something that's in co- total contrast mm-hmm. to what we do. I think those yeah. are, I, I think those are ways that we learn. Yeah. Well, I and again, you saw, you, you saw a Christ likeness in, in this man, um, you know, in, in the humility and the meekness that he carried himself with um, st- t- still a ton of integrity, you know, but, but that's just, you know, we, we should probably just be a lot more like Christ yeah. in, in the way yeah. we treat people and love people and interact with people. I don't think I've ever read anybody question Tim Keller's life. No. The question is theology, right? right. Uh, you know, push back on his theology, but I don't think I ever uh, have read anybody or <laughs> no. listened to anything that questioned the kind of man that he was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and somebody like that, I mean, you, you know, when you see somebody see that inspires you to be more like Christ yeah. all the time. Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. And and he did that for me. Yeah. So. And I think about something, you know, thought that just kind of popped in while you were talking, Jeff, that I think there's a difference as pastors in the way that we approach church. Like, we bring our kind of American Western entrepreneurialism sometimes <laughs> as pastors to church, and we mm-hmm. we want to we want to grow the church, right? And, and for good and noble reasons, right? Um, but but there's a difference between growing the church and winning the lost, right? right. Different mentalities that come with kind of those yeah. mindsets. And Tim Keller, you know, had the mindset of, of winning the lost, yeah, uh, and that was evident in the way that he engaged the lost, yeah. Right? Yeah. One of the and, quotes, and I think we would do well to learn from that as pastors. That I that stuck out for me when he was talking about just. You know, as a pastor in leadership, he said, I, I learned not to build a ministry on leadership charisma, which I didn't have anyway, or preaching <laughs> skill, which wasn't so much there early on, but on loving people pastorally and repenting when I was in the wrong. He said, in a small town, people will follow you if they trust you, your character, personally, and that trust has to be built in personal relationships. Yeah, that's good. That's I good. think that's, that, that's the quote that I think I, I remember the most, just because I think... 
I think there's a number of things that happen as a result of that trust that we build personally with people because we're, we're in their lives. We're at the hospital when something happens. We're praying for them when, you know, they get cancer. There, there are all those personal relationships that go on. And then I think there's also more grace given when we fail completely in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. you know, I think there's, there's all those things that are happening because there's a willingness to have that personal relationship with people. And, and I think yeah. so many of the kind of big name pastors that we all could list, there's not that. I remember going to a large church at one time when we lived in Portland, when we first got there, and we had asked about sitting down and having a conversation with the pastor. And they're like, oh, that, that won't happen. Yeah. I'm like, well, why not? He's like, well, because only a few people get to meet with him. And I just thought, I, I don't know that that's pastoring. Right. I don't know that that's shepherding people, hmm. you know, because I think you're, you're missing and lacking that personal relationship, and then it becomes sort of that celebrity. Right. I just don't feel like Keller lived that way. No. You know, I think he was just a... I think he just felt like I'm just a kind of a normal, everyday guy. Actually, and, I read another yeah. thing. A guy said that he, he uh, about walked away from the Lord, started going to Keller's church, mm. heard him preach, and, and, and it pulled him back in. And then one day he was on the subway, and he looks over, and there's very few people on the train, and Keller's on the train. So he thought, i got to go over and introduce myself to this guy and let him know the impact he's had on my life. And so they both got off the train at the same place. They had the conversation. He goes, where are you going? He goes, well, I'm walking to the church. And he goes, well, let's walk together. So they ended up walking together to church, <laughs> just having a regular conversation. Yeah. And he said by the time they got there, he just forgot like that he was talking to you know dr tim keller he was just yeah. having fellowship with a brother in christ and that's and you know that's pretty cool yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um keller was a prolific church planter as well it's a couple quotes uh, you know on the church um the glory of god is available to you in the church in a way that it's not available to you anywhere else hmm. there is no more important means of discipleship than deep involvement in the life of the church yeah and you know Keller had had a big church in New York. I don't know how big Redeemer is, but um, I, I read some numbers, and I don't remember them now. I didn't write them down, but just the number of churches kind of through his ministry that spawned out of that mm. uh, just it was a big number uh, of churches. And, and and you never saw Tim Keller, you know, stand up and say, "Well, look, look what I'm doing," and you know, no. bragging about yeah. his stats or anything like that. He just he loved the church because he again believed his theology that the glory of God is available to you in the church in a way that's not available to you anywhere else. Yeah. Well, and also, I think every every Christian in in America ought to read that and understand just how important the church is right. in our yeah. life as Christians. I just don't. I think we're seeing that more and more where people just don't get it. It's like you, you can't you can't be a Christian apart from the church. You can't live a, a faithful Christian life apart from being with other believers. But you somehow think, oh, I don't I don't need to be in church. I I I have my own personal relationship with Christ. We've taken that personal relationship. And separated it from the church, you know, where I don't think that we understand how incredibly important deep involvement in the church is, as he says that. I yeah. think yeah. it's. I don't think people see it as being separated from the vine. You know, really, if you were to talk about the vine and the branches, mm-hmm. you, you would know that you can't separate from Christ and, and be a successful Christian. And, and yet the, the church is, that this is what it all is. I mean, it's right. part of the same thing. Yeah. And so when you separate yourself from that, it's just so dangerous and detrimental to you. Um, even being gone for just a couple of weeks, yeah. and I missed two Sundays. I mean, it, it takes a toll right. on me. I can't imagine people that, you know, it's been years since they've been in church and, and been part of a viable body where they're contributing and being contributed to. I mean, all of that is, it's yeah. just, it's so, it's life. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah, It's the lifeline it is. a believer. And I, yeah. don't, I don't think that, I don't think people that just kind of live their life apart from the church really fully understand that. And I just think that they... I mean, it's more than just missing out. I yeah. think it's 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 you're not being obedient to what God has called. Yeah, I agree. Us to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, even in my downtime uh, over the last week, you know, so many calls and text messages from people in the church. Like, mm-hmm. How you doing? What do you need? You know, praying yeah. for you, uh, and that kind of. I mean, that's there's a lot of people in life that don't have that. Right. I mean, I've been reflecting on that this week. Mm-hmm. Just, just the simple people reaching out and just checking in. I mean, what a what a lifeline that is, and, mm-hmm. and uh, what a blessing it is, you know, to have that. Yeah, um, you know, through the church. Yeah. Uh, Keller said this uh, about church planting, the vigorous continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for, number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in a city, and number two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of, the, of existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach, programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. 
this is an eyebrow raising statement, but to those who have done any study at all, it's not even controversial. <laughs> <laughs> it really is amazing. Um, trying to go into an existing church and trying to, you know, I mean, you've, you've done that a couple times mm-hmm. now, um, as opposed to starting with something that's just, you know, ground zero. Right. And, um, there, there is something about that that's exciting and that's, you know, in some ways, I, I mean, you can make an impact either way, sure. but, mm-hmm. but I do understand what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's truth to it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Cause there's, I think there's a different, um, being able to come in, I think, and being able to start and plant something that is, it's it's not that it's always completely different, right. but but the way that it, I think looking at God's word and saying you know this is how God's word t- tells us about our polity, our structure, all all those things, it helps us to understand how this is going to be moving forward, mm-hmm. and I think then it helps to set the pace for that, and I think then you're just reproducing that in other ways, you know, as you plant more churches, just like you guys have done here. Okay, we're planting the pine, and you know, and I think just being able to think through how do we do that and how do we do it well, and sometimes you find that the the church plant is thriving and, and at times more healthy than the the mother church, so to speak. You know, yeah. and and, it, and well, there's something there's something new, that. there's something exciting, there's something vibrant, mm-hmm. there's you know, any and smaller a lot of times is much easier. Right. <laughs> right. So you know, there's. There is something about it that yeah does work quite well. And I think, yeah. don't you think that sometimes people think a successful church plant is a plant that goes and plants and then just grows and gets big? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that's our kind of American Western entrepreneurialism yeah. mm-hmm. of you know growing up instead of out. And, and I know you know our value would be you know more to grow out than up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's merits to both, but sure. Um, you know, and not that that doesn't happen, right. but I think to grow beyond a certain amount of people. It's unmanageable in the sense that it it's just from a shepherding perspective. Yeah. You know, how do you know mm-hmm. a thousand people? You don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Um, maybe what's had the most profound impact, maybe on all of us, I'll speak for me, but maybe you guys would say this too, is uh, just Tim Keller's work in preaching um, it has helped shape us to some extent. We've learned from it, gleaned <laughs> from it. Uh, and on preaching, uh, expository preaching specifically, he says this. Uh, expository preaching should provide the main diet of preaching for the Christian community. It's the best method for displaying and conveying your conviction that the whole Bible is true. This approach testifies that you believe every part of the Bible to be God's word, not just particular themes, not just the parts you feel comfortable agreeing with. Yeah. And amen. I think we all around this table value expository preaching. Amen. Um, do one of you guys want to just for someone that might not know that's listening, uh, 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 define expository preaching? Jeff's smarter than me, so he can do it. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> seminarian, <laughs> tell us. Right. I, I mean, the way we kind of define it is that, that it, it is essentially looking at a passage of Scripture, and it's not that you're, it's, it's the verse-by-verse exposition of it, but it really is more of, here's the main idea of that text, and then yeah. all of the points come from that text, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's, it's ex- expositing the text so that people have a... But I think the piece of it that we sometimes don't always understand fully is that it, it's the application of that as well to the 21st century. You know, so I think yeah. there is that. He has some good quotes mm-hmm. about that too. Like if you if you just if you all you do is explain it, but you don't connect it to life, you know, you, you you've shortchanged the people. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that the, I think expository preaching there, there's an aspect of it that people understand is just kind of like almost running commentary, mm-hmm. where you're yeah. just going through and you're explaining this verse, and then you you talk about the next verse, and you talk yeah. you explain right. that one. Then yeah. you, that, that's but not you're, expository you're not preaching. actually connecting it together yeah. as a whole. And when you said that the you know, what's the main idea of this passage? Because you can even do expository teaching in a topical series. Yeah. It right. doesn't mean yep. that you're just going through a whole book line by line. Uh, you know, so that yep. it really is, you know, what's what's the big idea of this and how does it connect to the, the overarching narrative of the Bible, yeah. you know? Um, and so, I think I think yeah. what Keller helped to do as well as a number of others, you know, is just that, and we believe the same thing, you know, is that the Christ-centered expository preaching, yeah. that it always yeah. points us to Christ and the gospel somewhere in the process of that, you know, whether we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, I think that's, that's a yeah. critical piece well, of and, it. Keller always made Jesus the hero. Yeah. Um, that's again, and, and there's, there's several preachers that do that and I hope we all do that, but, yeah. but it's, it was evident that Jesus was the hero. Yeah. Right. And if we're not doing that, yeah. we're missing, <laughs> right. we're missing it completely. Yeah. That, that's a segue into this quote. Uh, every time you expound a Bible text, you are not finished unless you demonstrate how it shows that we cannot save ourselves and that only Jesus can. And uh, Keller was a master 
yeah. that and, and taught us all um, to varying degrees how to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, he also says that preaching is not only explaining the text, but also using it to engage the heart. Uh, I often see preachers giving so much time to the first task, they put little thought and ingenuity into the second. And yeah, which is kind of what we were just yeah. explaining, yeah. Yeah, That's and good. just as Keller had an understanding of mm-hmm. humanity, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that, that came through uh, in his preaching. Yeah. Um, and then kind of in the home stretch here, a couple of quotes uh, on Keller's uh, death. Uh, death, he, he said, uh, these are Christianity's unsurpassed offers, a meaning that suffering cannot remove, a satisfaction not based on circumstances, a freedom that does not hurt but rather enhances love, an identity that does not crush you or exclude others, a moral compass that does not turn you into an oppressor, and a hope that can face anything, even death. Mm-hmm. And again, here he believed his theology, and we saw it in the way that he faced death. Yeah, yep. yeah I heard a yeah. um, a little sample sermon. I think it was yesterday. I was re- I was it was from Desiring God. They were doing a little tribute to him, and and it was a, I think it was right before his um, thyroid cancer surgery, and he was just talking about his hope that he had, whatever happened in the midst of that, whether it's life or death or whatever God has going forward. And I think just the. There was seemed to be just kind of a peace, a calm in the midst of that, which is not always the case, you know, and even hearing some of his family share about, um, you know, his last words and things that he talked about and just always talking about it's, it's going to be better for me, yeah. you know, and, and looking forward to heaven, you know, and knowing what that all, you know, as much yeah. as he could understand what that would entail. But I think it just, I think that's the difference, isn't it, in death. There's a there's still a hope that we have as right. Christians. It's and it's 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 just it's it's a certainty that we know. I mean, we don't like the process of death, but I think it's being able to look beyond that and say, but on the other side, what whatever. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's it's phenomenal. To, mm-hmm. I think just to think about it, and when you hear guys that have been faithful for their life to the end, I think that's the. You think about the perseverance of the saints. It's like mm-hmm. faithful to the very end. I think right. that's the. That, and that, 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 I think that's a challenge and encouragement to all of us as Christians that we want to be faithful to the end. Yeah. But. Yeah. I think it was Keller's son, if I remember right, that posted this, but kind of death, deathbed words mm. from Tim Keller. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, on his deathbed, just before he breathed his last, he said, I'm thankful for all the people that have prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time that God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus send me home. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. Yeah. And yesterday we posted on the Doors page a quote where he says, all death can do to Christians is to make their lives infinitely better. Yeah. <laughs> and it is such a, a cool perspective to see yeah. somebody who's ready. Yeah. And, you know. And, and even even yeah. on his deathbed, he's teaching us. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, just pretty pretty remarkable. What a remarkable guy and a gift to the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankful, I think, all of us that we discovered him years ago when we did. And thankful for his sermons and his books and his mm-hmm. writing and his speaking and yeah. uh, all of those things. And if anybody has not read, I would just encourage him to pick up some of his books. and. Yeah, just, and his, again, his sermons are available on Gospel yeah. and Life. I just, you know... He's somebody that it's kind of weird to, to, this is somebody I've never, I don't know. Right. I've never known. I never <laughs> yeah. will know. And I'm going to miss. Sure. And that doesn't yeah. happen very often. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to miss him. Yeah. I felt a connection to him almost yeah. like yeah. I did know him. And yeah, absolutely. Right. So I, I don't think cool. I've really yeah. ever been bummed about a, a celebrity death. And I mean, not trying to sound cold hearted or weird, but, <laughs> no, but like this, this one bummed me. I mean, it's yeah. just been on my mind, mm-hmm. you know, all week yeah. thinking about him and thinking about his influence on me and, and on the world. And yeah. Yeah. It's like I read, yeah. uh, I think I shared this before we started. I read, I think it was Russell Moore was posting today and he said something about Gandalf's not supposed to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that idea yeah, that yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 Well, any any final thoughts on our tribute to Tim Keller? No, I was. No, I'm just grateful, and it's a you know when you come across somebody that inspires you to to be a better Christian, it's just a cool thing, and he did that. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, like I think Brent said this earlier, is that we're, it's not that we worship Him, no, but He no. caused us to worship Christ and to to look yep. to Him. And it, I mean, just yep. anytime He was writing, it was always pointing people to Christ and Jesus and yep. the gospel. And it's like, yeah, He was a flawed man, a sinful man. Yeah, he sure. would have admitted all of that. It's not you know like He was just. Um, but but again, to see Christ in Him, that yeah. evidently, yeah, that's the remarkable part. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. He taught us all to be better Christians, mm-hmm. better yeah. pastors, better people. Yep. Yep, better theologians, and he's with his Lord now, which yeah. is yeah, just such a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think about and just thinking of his family. I think about you know in Thessalonians when it talks about that we grieve not as ones mm-hmm. without hope, like yeah. we have a hope in our grief, and so definitely you know the loss uh, is bitter, um, but you know uh, his family has the hope that he's with the Lord now, and um, you know we'll we'll all be together in heaven yeah. one day. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Cool. What do you guys want to pray for us? Yeah. We pray. Sure, sure. Lord, thanks for this day. Thank you for just the ministry uh, Tim Keller has had in in many of our lives and and over the course of a time and over the course of the world. Lord, we're grateful for that and thankful for Lord just the ways that He's encouraged us as pastors to uh, Lord to have humility to to repent and to to continually trust in You. Uh, to be at work in our lives and in the lives of our people. And Lord, we're grateful just for uh, his ministry in many different ways. We pray for his family, that you would comfort them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. Continually give them hope, Lord, in, in the sadness uh, that's there, yet uh, the joy and the reality that as Christians we'll one day uh, see him face to face. And for us, we'll get to meet him for the first time, and we're grateful for that as well, Lord. So we're just uh, thankful for the time that we can pay tribute to him today and grateful for uh, just the impact that he's had in our lives um, over the course of time for the gospel. And we just are grateful for that. In your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Jeff, for Thanks for having me. Today. Yeah. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.